We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. We live in a broken world where horrible things can happen, even to godly people. In any circumstance, it is a comfort to know God is sovereign over all. Today, we're honored to have with us two longtime friends from Parsippany Baptist Church in New New Jersey, a couple who can testify to God's providential hand in difficult times, Armin and Ellen Melanesi. Armin and Ellen, thank you so much for joining us today. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. The pleasure is ours, too. Well, there are times in our lives we will always remember. For many of us, the tragedy of September 11, 2001 is one of those times. You two were on the front lines, right in the thick of that event. Would you tell us your story? Sure. Um, I was just talking to Armin about it earlier today and saying how even after all this time, I remember every detail. Um, everything, um, like it happened yesterday. Um, I, we were married about nine months. We were, um, living in my in-laws carriage house in Marstown. Um, we were expecting our first child. Um, I was working in the building next to the trade center in Manhattan and Armin was working uptown. Now, um, let me preface this by saying, if you look at the landscape of Manhattan, you can have streets that are, you know, um, many lanes of traffic. Um, And then you can have little side streets where it's just one lane of traffic. My building was on one of those little side streets um, of the World Trade Center. I was at one Liberty Plaza. So the basement of Liberty Plaza and the basement of the World Trade Center were actually connected. So I would get off the train, take an escalator down, walk a little, take another escalator upstairs and be in the lobby of my building. That's how close it was. So that morning, I um, actually contemplated not going to work because I was I suffered from some pretty horrific morning sickness. Um, so I wasn't going to go. I was going to stay home. And then I thought, you know what? This could get a lot worse. I should probably just go to work and save a sick day for a day where I really can't get out of bed. So I got on the train that morning, as every morning, and it was a perfect day. Um, 85 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. It was just beyond gorgeous. Um, so I, I, pulling into the trade center and there's a jolt on the train, um, which happens all the time. So it was really nothing new. And after the jolt of the train, I started to smell smoke, which is also nothing new. I mean, there's fires on little tiny fires. These, these trains are so old every once in a while, one of them would catch fire and the conductor would put it out and it's business as usual. (laughs) So I still didn't think anything of it. 
um, and I was at the trade center. So, you know, you really are more focused on just getting to work and it's just the norm for riding the train every day. When the doors opened and I stepped out onto the platform, um, I wasn't prepared for the mayhem that met me there. Um, it was just people yelling and screaming and running. And it was, I mean, I really thought there was a, a huge fire in the trade center mm-hmm. at that point. So I didn't walk to take the escalator. I went outside because I thought, well, if there's a fire in here, I should be outside. So I went outside and it was like a scene out of a movie. I've never seen that many people running and screaming. Um, I, I just, it was pure panic, mayhem. Everybody was crying. Um, I couldn't understand what was going on. And I just heard people screaming a plane hit the building, a plane hit the building. And I looked up and there were pieces of metal falling from the ground. Um, you could at that point see people hanging out of their window. Um, I went into just a mode of, well, where do I need to be? I need to be somewhere. I can't be here. Right. So I went over to a police officer and he said, he looked at me, he saw that I was pregnant and he said, well, you shouldn't be out here. So he sent me and he said, where do you work? And I said, I work right there, you know, on the other side of this building. He said, well, you need to go to into your office. The safest place for you is to go into your office. So I went into my building and I took the elevator up to the 18th floor and thought I was safe at the time. I was at 57th street in Columbus. So I was, I was much further um, away from the scene. And when I had got to work, um, it it came on the news that a plane had, had hit um, the world trade center. And at first um, we thought, well, wow, one of those must've been a single propeller plane or something that hit, that hit, you know, and, and made a horrible accident. Um, and then, and then I had two thoughts really to this, this whole situation, this whole tragedy. One was, okay, I knew Ellen worked across the street from the World Trade Center, but I also had a cousin who worked on the 92nd floor, uh, that he worked for Car Futures on, you know, one of the early 90th, 90th floors. So I reached out to Ellen after the second plane hit because then it was very evident that this was not an accident mm-hmm. but a terrorist attack um and then i connected was able to connect with ellen um and she she had mentioned that things were crazy and that she had to go um mm-hmm. so she obviously sounded very panicked but i was you know obviously glad to hear that she was okay um, and then I called my cousin, uh, Rob. It got that eerie and very scary, busy signal that you know that the phone is not connected. So obviously we're very concerned about that. So now at this point, 
I am on the 18th floor of my building and I worked for one of the owners of the company, Gruntel and Company. I walked into our little suite of offices, which was empty. Nobody was there. And my boss had um, his whole corner office was all windows. So like Armin had said, at first, everyone thought this was a really tragic accident. I mean, I'm thinking like the pilot had a heart attack or a stroke and this was just a horrible accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I called Armin first and let him know I was okay. Um, and then I called my mother from my boss's office. And as I was on the phone with my mother, I saw the second plane coming towards the second tower. Wow. And it was right in front of me. I mean, I, I saw the, the plane hit. I mean, it's literally on the side street there. So at that point, I panicked because the lights in my building went out and my building started to sway. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just had to hang up. You know, my mother was very upset asking me not to hang up and all I said was you know I I have to go I I have to find a way to get out of here so I I hung up on my mother but then I really panicked because I didn't know how to get out of there because I wasn't heading to a stairwell and I sort of froze for about five seconds and this really nice man named Alan who lived in Pennsylvania his wife was also pregnant he remembered that I was pregnant. He came into the office and literally grabbed me by the shoulders, pushed me into the hallway and put me on the elevator. Cause I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to move. I couldn't, I was too afraid to get on the elevator. So he put me on the elevator and we, you know, went down outside and, um, like most people would do because it's human nature to want to see what's going on. You know, we're, I'm standing there, you know, watching people fall, mm. watching people jump, seeing burning flesh mm-hmm. on the ground. I mean, it's, 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 it's the pictures you see after the fact are nothing compared to what, is in front of you right. and this smell because you you know you it's not just a metal and a burning smell it's 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 people who are perishing and, and falling to the ground so you're just sort of dumbstruck and you just can't believe this is happening and you, you it's hard to move it's hard to pull yourself away from it even though you're scared to watch it it's hard to leave it so this, the, my coworker said, no, you can't stay here. And we, he just once again sort of guided me and said, no, we have an office near Grand Central Station. We're going to start walking up there. Hmm. Now, you know, the city blocks in Manhattan are like insanely long. So walking to Grand Central Station is really long walk from downtown. So um, we walked and I needed to keep taking breaks because I was pregnant and I was still experiencing morning sickness. So it was difficult. Um, It was really warm that day. And 
I remember saying to him, I need to call my husband and let him know what's going on because I knew Armin would probably try to come downtown hmm. to find me. And I didn't want him to be come to me when I wasn't going to be there. And I didn't want him to go downtown and possibly get hurt. So we walked about five or six blocks and, um, now mind you, all the phones are out now. Right. No one's calling anyone. I didn't have a cell phone. Armin didn't have a cell phone. So I use a pay phone and it works, hmm. which is unheard of. <laughs> and that's the Lord right there. I mean, I didn't speak to him, but I got to leave him a message saying, you know, I'm okay. And I'm leaving now I'm headed uptown. There's an office in, in grand central station. I don't know what floor it is. I just know we have an office in grand central station and that's where I'm headed now. So I left him a message and we started walking uptown. So while that's going on, I, Ellen was right. I decided, I said, I, I told her, well, I'll come down. I'll come down. She was saying, no, 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 don't come down. But I just, I just went down. So I started walking and she had mentioned that she had an office in Grand Central Station, but I didn't really know where it was. Hmm. And like, like she mentioned, we didn't have cell phones. So um, I, I went down there and then I checked my voicemail. This is probably around 1045 now. I checked my book. So, so the towers have collapsed. Hmm. Um, so now I'm getting really nervous because obviously I knew she was literally a small street across from the World Trade Center and the towers. I mean, so she was right there. And I was getting concerned when the towers collapsed, did she make it out in time? So when I, I checked my voicemail, the voicemail message from Ellen says like 1025. And the towers, I think, collapsed, if memory serves me correctly, like 1028 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, from the moment she left the message to when the towers collapsed, there was not a lot of time. So I was extremely concerned that, okay, she left me a voicemail message from her office and the World Trade Center towers had collapsed. So I was in a little bit of a panic and concerned. And I just remember praying to the Lord because, again, we were married about nine months. She was three months pregnant with Chloe, our first. So it was I just remember just asking the Lord just to make sure everything was okay and that we would be reunited. Um, but I was really concerned at that point. Little did I know she, she made the, she left me the message from a different location at a payphone. So she had already sort of worked her way up and away from the, the world trade center. But I didn't know that yet at the time. So now after I placed the phone call to Armand, it was a couple of minutes after I placed the phone call to Armin that the first tower came down. And shortly thereafter, the second tower came down. And once again, it's really hard to make that smart decision just to move because you can't believe what you're watching. Right. And my coworker grabbed me again <laughs> and said, let's go. And we started running. So we are the people now running away from the pillars of smoke. Mm -hmm. and the ash that you saw so many people covered in, 
you know, we're running now. And as we're running uptown, I see people running downtown towards the towers to help. Hmm. Um, every walking police officer, security guard, just citizens just running toward just to try to help. It was a, it was an unbelievable display of heroism like I'd never seen before. Um, but I was so concerned with the fact that I was, you know, pregnant and I didn't want to be breathing in that smoke or that ash or any of that. And I was afraid because, you know, at that point, all we knew was this is a terrorist attack. So as we get uptown closer to Grand Central Station, you now see that the further you go uptown, it's the same scenario. Everyone is panicked. Um, people are running out of their buildings and offices. They're, they're, the jet fighters, you're seeing a few of the Air Force jet fighters coming in, flying very low. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just thinking, well, this is it. You know, this is, this is not just one terrorist attack. This is going to keep happening. Um, what's next? Where, where's the next plane going to hit bomb going to go off? You just don't know what's happening. So you're hearing little snippets of like, Oh, the Pentagon was hit, you know, and you're thinking, okay, yeah, this is officially, we are in the middle of this is world war three. It's just started today. So I make it to grand central station and I go into the lobby and there is a security guard saying, is there an Ellen here? Is there an Ellen here? And I went over and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. My name's Ellen. My, my name's Ellen. And he said, well, there is a man here, your husband. He was, he was just here and he was screaming out your name and he's looking for you. Wow. And I said, oh my goodness. So, so my coworker said, you have to come in and sit down. You have to get something to eat. Um, I had stopped along the way to be sick a few times on the way up there because I was just, it was the worst morning sickness ever. Mm. Um, and I was exhausted and I was dehydrated. And he said, no, no, you have to sit. And I said, no, no, my husband is out there somewhere. We have to, I have to go look for him. I don't know where he is, but he was here. So I ran out into the street again and was just kind of walking a half a block in one direction, half a block in the other direction. And I'm looking around and all of a sudden it was like the, the crowd almost opened up and I saw him across the street, just kind of standing there crying. And, you know, we had no cell phone. So it's amazing how it's close to impossible for two people to find each other like that. Right. Right. And I was just so happy that I found him and I knew that he was going to do everything in his power to protect me. I just couldn't imagine doing it by myself. Right. We went into the building and there was like a, I don't even remember what floor my company had offices on, but I was there with one of the owners of the company and one of the senior vice presidents. And I remember Armin went and went, got me an apple so I could eat something. And the, the people that I worked with said, you know, you can stay here because it's a, it's a nice waiting area. There's couches and there's chairs. And, and they were like, you have to stay here. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at Armin and said, I need to get home. Mm-hmm. Like we need, we need to get home. I, I was having a little bit of a anxiety attack 
Right. I just might needed to get to New Jersey because I felt like Manhattan was going to be under attack shortly thereafter. And I didn't want to be there. Yeah. So um, I was roaming around Grand Central Station and, and yeah, I was obviously very concerned. Um, and then just out of the blue, I just happened to see Ellen. And it was a to- total blessing. And, um, you know, we hugged and then we got situated and I just, um, we made the decision to make the trek home. So we're at Grand Central Station and the only th- way that we can get home was by ferry. Mm-hmm. So we had it to head west and get towards the water, the Hudson River. And it was a very far walk. And again, mind you, she's three months pregnant. And the, the Lord sustained, sustained her. And um, when we finally arrived to the ferry station, the line was, first of all, the whole city, you have to understand, was complete bedlam. I mean, it was just, on a normal day, New York City is bedlam. But (laughs) on this day, it was like off the charts crazy. People Mm -hmm. were in a state of panic. And as Ellen mentioned, it was really a lot of the unknown. And she's right. People just, all you heard was plane crash in Pennsylvania, plane hit the Pentagon, you know, and then so it was always what's next, what's going to happen. And then you see fighter jets flying over the city, flying over the river. I mean, it was a eerie situation. So we finally get to the water taxi ferry area and the line was enormous. One of those caterpillar lines just went on forever. Hmm. So we were, yeah, we were there a couple of hours and we finally got the ferry. And I just remember being on the ferry and Ellen and I, and, and we're, as we're crossing the Hudson river to go into New Jersey, looking back and there was still not seeing the, the world trade towers anymore. So that historic and, you know, quintessential skyline with the world trade center towers <clears throat> didn't exist. And all you saw was just, smoldering smoke mm. just going up and and everyone on the it it felt like you were on <clears throat> you were you were like a soldier who was leaving the war with everyone else on that taxi everyone was tired everyone was spent everyone was emotionally exhausted everyone was scared for the unknown um, and then, you know, just the scene when you would look back and just not see the World Trade Towers there, but just smoke was very surreal. Mm-hmm. So then we finally get to the other side of the river. We're on the New Jersey side. So it was it was a good 13 hour day, 13 hour day, <clears throat> you know, with a 10 hour commute on the way home, mm-hmm. basically, essentially. Um, and then, you know, I, well, I remember when I got home, we were just so we felt so blessed and protected by the Lord. Um, and we just gave glory to him and we're at my parents' house. And, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, has anyone spoken to Rob? And, um, now this is my second cousin. So this is my father's cousin's son Hmm. and who, and this is someone who was, I was really close with. We hung out a lot. And um, everyone's who he's about two years younger than me. And um, my parents said, no, they they haven't heard from him. His his family hasn't heard from him. So obviously we, we were very concerned for that. Um, 
about a week before that um the attack i remember going out to dinner with rob in hoboken and having the opportunity to witness to him a little bit he was not saved but he was starting to come around his heart was being softened he was in the financial world and um we started talking about you know the one world government the one world currency and revelation and i started to talk to him about that and he kind of understood that being in the financial world of how that could work so i just felt the lord was really starting to to work in in his life and soften him up but he was not saved hmm. so then um so then you know he ends up he ends up dying in, in the world trade center um we have uh you know he was there i believe he he didn't die on impact because one of his um um cubicle mates was his one of his high school friends and his high school friend had the opportunity to call his mom and say his goodbyes and everything like that mm-hmm. um why rob didn't we don't know but maybe his phone didn't work or who knows but um that gave us assurance that he didn't die on impact and why that's important is because um i would say about well five months afterwards in february i went to a fellowship of christian athletes super bowl breakfast and they had a speaker there and and leading up to it our whole prayer was part of my prayer was give me some peace that rob was able to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior before he died. Mm-hmm. And so at this breakfast, there was um, the one of the speakers talked about how he was able to connect with a buddy. And apparently his friend led people to Christ right before the towers collapsed. And he had he there was like a circle of about and he worked for Car Futures and there was a circle of about twenty five to thirty five people, you know, all in prayer. And this person, a friend of this speaker, talked about how he was able to lead a lot of people to Christ at that moment. So, mm-hmm. you know, my prayer is hopefully Rob was one of them, and I'll know one day when we're in when we're in heaven if he's there. And we'll, 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 we will rejoice with that. But, um, you know, if I, if there's anything I learned from that scenario and it being a part is, you know, shortly thereafter, I decided, you know what, um, the Lord and family are number one and two, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what shall a prophet of man, if he gains the world, but loses his soul and, you know, I mean, all those things that New York has to offer of climbing the corporate ladder and the action and the energy and the power and the money. And again, you know, think about it. The World Trade Center is a symbol of of power and money. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those things perish. Those things those things are can be gone instantly. So it really that whole experience really just helped me just to focus on, you know what? This is about God and family. And uh, shortly thereafter, um, you know, I started my own business. I moved out of New York um, and I was able to start not only a business and, and, and a family at the same time, not because of me, but because of the Lord. And the Lord certainly did mm-hmm. that. You never know when you witness to people 
or, or sometimes it's hard to perhaps witness to um, family members, particularly. Um, it's not easy. You, you, you try to at first and then they don't want to hear it and they're just hardened to it. And you just, you really have to just live it out via your testimony and your walk with Christ. Um, but, you know, there was a time after that, that as you know, you, you really need to share the gospel uh, with those family members because your family members could be, they may not be around. I mean, we don't know what tomorrow brings. So it's really important to, if you have the opportunities to really be bold as a lion and step in and, and, and grab that and, 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 and give the testimony because you never know. Right. Absolutely. My background is Hudson County. My whole family is still in Bayonne. So my parents and my siblings and their families, you know, they're still there. Um, my brother-in-law had wanted to drive from Bayonne to Hoboken and try to find us. Um, if we had made it home at this point, nobody had, nobody knew where we were. If we had made it home, he was just hoping that we had made it to one of the trains. Um, but they wouldn't let him, you couldn't drive on the highways at that point anymore anyway. So I spoke to my mother, you know, right after the second plane crashed and then didn't call my parents until we got back to Morristown around nine o'clock. So this whole time, I mean, it was very strange how so many phone lines were down, but yet people did somehow find a way to contact somebody. You, you kind of, it was weird how, how you could make connections depending on maybe where you called from in Manhattan. Not every uh, phone tower was down. I didn't even attempt to. I just wanted to get home because um, I was so scared to be in Manhattan. Um really scared to even be on that ferry because I felt like a target in the middle of the harbor there. Mm. I, you know, the planes coming in, I didn't know if they were all U.S. planes. I thought we could have been, you know, they were waiting for people to just try to cross over and they were just going to blow us up out of the water. It was very, very frightful time. Mm. But my, that whole time, my parents assumed that I was not coming home. Wow. So they were so happy, you know, to hear from us and my siblings were so happy. And right after that, I think it was a full week. It could have even been up to two weeks that they were, cause so many people were still fire departments from all over the country, EMTs. They were all making their trek into Manhattan to, to help with the relief effort. Right. So the highways were pretty much closed down. Um, you couldn't you couldn't get on 78 or 24 or the turnpike you could just couldn't go anywhere so it was a couple of weeks till i could get in the car and actually go see my parents um and it was so emotional to see them even though i talked to them every day um and it was a perfect opportunity to explain what had happened and how i was a little at first, I mean, when it first happened, I was so frightful that the building was going to collapse. And in my brain, I thought, wow, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm 30 years old. 
I, I got married a little later than I would have liked, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I met the, the perfect guy. I'm having a baby, everything I've ever wanted. And this is how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Like I was really upset. Like this is, you know, <laughs> this is not how it was supposed to end. Um, and the Lord just sort of took that idea right out of my head and helped me to listen to the coworker who was so kind enough to look after me. Um, but I was trying to explain that to my parents, how you just don't think these things can happen. They're, they're unheard of. They're unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And you, to think that you could die um, and not know where you're going it's, it's, it's so disheartening. It's, it's, where's your hope? You know, how, how can you know where you're going? Well, you can. I knew that if it didn't work out for me, that I would be in heaven. Right. I knew that. Um, so I tried to use that as a witnessing tool. And unfortunately I, you know, my parents were not open to it, especially my mother. Um, to the point where it was that I'm almost, I'm forbidden to talk about it. It's, it's, we're Catholic. This is what we believe, you know, that's good for you, but we don't want any of that. So even after having their child go through that, they're still unwilling to listen, to even soften their heart towards the idea of, well, maybe we got it wrong all this time, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe there is the one way, you know, the Lord is the one way because he says it right in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's so easy that it's hard for them. Right. Um, they'd rather believe in their works than that they're good people. And so, I mean, that was, you know, very upsetting for me, but, um, you know, I realized at that point, you just have to do your best to treat them respectfully and love on them and show them what a Christian marriage looks like. Show them what it's like to be Christian parents, you know, raise your kids according to what the Bible says. Like the only way to witness to my family was to witness by example, because they were not open to discussion or, or anything of the like. Right. In the aftermath of a traumatic event, it isn't uncommon to suffer through overwhelming emotional pain. Was this ever a hurdle for either of you? Mine was obviously there was a lot of emotional pain by losing my um, my my cousin Rob and everything that went with that. Again, this is someone who um, was probably my best friend at the time, but not so much new for me like New York City and going back there. I mean, yes, I moved my I, I moved out of there and as far as work and set up my company in New Jersey. But going back there was never really an issue for me. But for Ellen, there was. I don't. I. I. I haven't been to the Freedom Tower yet. Um. I would only go if my children wanted to go. I have no desire to visit that memorial. Mm-hmm. Um. We have been back to New York. Um. You know, in the last several years, but for a while there, I just had no desire to be there. Too many memories. Um, it just, I was fearful of it. I'm amazed by people who could go back to work, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later, 
the once again the lord is understanding my fear ministering to my fear by not having me go back there so before i worked in manhattan i was down at exchange place in jersey city for a company called pershing i had been there for 10 years i had so many wonderful friends there um they actually ended up giving my company office space so i ended up back in jersey city with people who cared about me and looked over me and i mean they gave me a parking spot in the building because i was you know pregnant so it was like the lord said i'm gonna continue to let you work but i'm gonna put you with people that you that care about you that are gonna look after you i mean most of the people at my old job i mean a lot of them were at my wedding i had formed really close friendships with them so i mean it was just every single decision that was made for us as a family the lord had he had his hand in every bit of it Mm -hmm. he knew my anxieties he knew my fears um i didn't have to go back and be part of that poor air quality that so many people went back to um i went on maternity leave from my job in jersey city now um the lord still allowed me to work so that armand could start his business um, my boss who loved me said, you know, gave me, um, triple the amount of maternity leave, mm-hmm. um, gave me, um, severance pay after that. And then I it let me go on unemployment. So I could, I collected a check, I think for like another year, mm-hmm. more than a year to kelp, you know, with our family finances while Armin started his business. And so we were still living in my in-laws carriage house. So there was help with, you know, rent there. I mean, it was like the Lord just had his hand in every bit of us starting our family mm-hmm. and keeping us safe. And he, he just, he just took care of us every step of the way. And when you think about things that have happened since nine 11, um, it, Anything is possible. I mean, the Lord doesn't make these things happen. He gives us us free will as humans. And we can love each other or not. And, you know, we can hurt each other. We, there, we, we have the ability to, to do what we choose. And, and we're sin. We're sinners. Mm-hmm. So to walk through this world without him, to me, is just, it's, it's the ultimate sadness. Um, I think of people who are going through what's going on now with this quarantine and they're panicked. And I just can't imagine not knowing the Lord because even through nine 11, and then, you know, then you had the war in the middle East and we lost so many people there. And then a few years after that, you had hurricane Sandy, which was like unprecedented amount of damage in New Jersey. And, and this, I feel like is almost a little worse because we can't see each other. We right. can't be with each other. So how do you do that without God in your life, without Jesus? I, I don't, I'm just so glad we have him. Yeah. What Trump's fear is knowing that God is in control and he's able to bring good out of suffering and evil. What blessings have come out of that horrific event for you? Um, well, again, I would say the blessings for me are 
your business, starting my, your business. Yeah, my starting my business and and starting my business again. It's not not the blessing, the financial blessings behind the business. The the blessings on the business is it has allowed me to be part of a Christian school ministry, coaching mm-hmm. and being around kids and ministering to them and building their character up. It's it's the blessing has been me being able to spend time with my family and to be in my kids' lives a lot more than if I was working in New York or, you know, working somewhere else. So for me personally, that that situation of 9-11 was the start of me rededicating and rethinking what's important. And one of those was, and you know, here's the thing with starting the business too. You know, I didn't start the business with the confidence that I could do it. I started the business with the confidence that this was the right thing. And I know Jesus would help me along the way. Cause at the end of the day, it was Jesus's business. Mm-hmm. And he, and that hope alone, knowing that the Lord is going to be with me, that hope is invaluable. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, you, you have that hope and, and it, it gives you confidence to go and do it. And then you see the Lord work along the way. So I would say that was the the most important thing, mm-hmm. the blessing that that came out of it. And again, it's allowed me to to be part of a, a Christian school and administer to, to to student athletes and and to be there for my family. Praise the Lord. Armin and Ellen, we've enjoyed hearing how God has led you. You responded to a traumatic time in ways that honor the Lord. While so many of us around the world are going through uncomfortable circumstances. Your testimony has been a powerful reminder that God is our refuge and our and sovereign overall. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.